good morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to a brand new message series and it's entitled Identity. Identity. We, we spent a number of weeks in, in the past month or two looking at our DNA as a church, who we are as a church. We've looked at things like mission and vision statement, core values. We've explored Acts chapter 2 and, and what some of the early church was doing as they were ministering and serving together. But today we're exploring who you and I are individually. Who are we? What is our identity in Christ. One pastor puts it this way, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. I like that. When you know who you are, when you know your identity in Christ, you'll know what to do. The problem for many is many Christians are a little unsure of who they are in Christ and as a result aren't sure what to do for Christ. Now listen, as a pastor, there's kind of that expectation and assumption that as I go to places, I pray. That's a pretty good expectation and assumption. You go to hospital visits or different visits and pray, but it's everywhere. I remember even to one of the uh, early Christmas parties, I think maybe even before uh, we had kids and, and uh, Kim was uh, you know, inviting, we kind of went to a work Christmas party as she was working at one of the newspapers. And, uh, you know, we went there and people knew she was a Christian and knew she was married to a pastor. So that made me the pastor. And, and it might be sometimes it's a little awkward as the pastor enters the place. And they had a meal, and someone kind of awkwardly came up and asked if I would pray, because, you know, I'm a pastor. That's what pastors do. So I prayed for the meal. Now, maybe, maybe we were the only Christians in that place, but maybe not. Sometimes, even in Christian homes or in Christian situations, individuals will say, well, hey, why don't you pray? You're the pastor. I'm just a and then people can fill in the blank as to what they think they're just. Well, I'm just a student, or I'm just a young adult, or I'm, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a board member, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm just a. Listen, if you are a Christian, you are in Christ, there's not just a something about you. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, guess what? dwells in you, lives in you. You've got access to the very throne room of God. It's not set aside just for pastors and missionaries. You're able as well. And so sometimes, if we're not careful, as Christians, we might be a little unclear, a little unsure about who we are, what our identity is. So today and some of the coming weeks, we'll explore from God's Word who we are in Christ. Today, we're going to look to see that you and I are an ambassador. We are an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador is the highest-ranking diplomat as a representative sent from one country to another. That would be our modern interpretation, modern definition of what an ambassador is. Ambassadors are chosen and appointed typically by the president. 
They are sent to another nation on behalf of the United States. They represent the United States. They communicate the message of their home nation. For instance, does anybody know who this is? Anybody know who that is? Quick, quick, anybody? Nobody knows who that is? Whew, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I had to Google it. Okay, so I feel better. This is Ambassador Yuri Kim, the United States Ambassador to Albania. Okay, okay, there we go. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So the ambassador to Albania, chosen, selected, appointed, sent to Albania, represents the United States in Albania and communicates the message on behalf of this nation. And in fact, you can go, you can look at uh, websites, they'll show you all the different ambassadors, who they are, where they're sent to, when they were appointed to serve. Now, we're not like a United States ambassador, as in Ambassador Yuri Kim. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writes about who you and I are in Christ. If you and I are a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, he's to share with us that we are ambassadors. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, he says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Other versions or translations talk about a new creation, a new creature. Stop right there. Some of us, you know, you think about yourself or you think about others, and you're like, creature, that about sums it up. But we are a new creature, a new creation, a new person, if we've surrendered our heart and life to Christ. He says the old life is gone, a new life has begun. Verse 18, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are Christ's ambassadors. Stop right there. Some individuals, perhaps in this place, in Alger Assembly of God and Be Gone, if you are a part of a certain era, I won't specify what era, I'll just say this, it was before my era. That's as far as I'll go. But if you were of the Assemblies of God of a certain era, and you were a part of the youth ministry, you were called what? CAs, which stands for Christ's Ambassadors, taken from this verse. And the, the theme was that young people were to be ambassadors to represent Jesus Christ wherever they go. Now, CAs or Christ's ambassadors, they kind of, at some point in some era, did away with that, and it's kind of youth ministry, and various churches and youth ministries have different names, but many are familiar of a certain era of this thought. Paul says, because of all of this, you and I, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are an ambassador for Christ. That's who you are. That is your identity. 
He said, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin that we could be made right with God through Christ. So you and I are, are not quite like a United States ambassador, although some of those thoughts and themes are often rather similar to what Paul is writing or what some of the scriptures talk about. So this morning, let me share a handful of thoughts or descriptions. If our identity in Christ, if who we are is an ambassador for him, if we're a CA, whether you're of the era or not, we are an ambassador for Christ, what does that mean? You see, when we know who we are, we'll know how to act. So first of all, know that an ambassador is chosen for a purpose. An ambassador is chosen for a purpose. The ambassador that none of us knew, Ambassador Yuri Kim, was chosen and selected by the United States for a purpose in Albania. You and I were chosen and selected for a purpose. You and I were not brought up for election for people to vote on us. Here's what Jesus said, John chapter 15, verse 16, as he speaks to his disciples and relays this to you and I. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you what you ask for using my name. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I selected you, I appointed you. I've chosen you for a purpose, to go and to bear fruit, he says. Doesn't it feel good to be chosen, to be selected? In today's day and age and culture, if you're applying for a job and five or 10 or 20 other people are applying for the job, it feels good that you are selected and chosen. It goes all the way back to much earlier era whether it's a handful of years or a bunch of years, do you remember back in school, maybe elementary school, gym class or recess, free time, and, you know, a pickup basketball game or kickball game or some kind of athletic competition was taking place, and there were team captains. you remember team captains? Sometimes the athletic ones would just simply declare themselves team captains. In some cases, in gym class, the gym teacher would select, you're a captain, you're a captain, you go first. So what do they do? They begin picking, choosing, selecting who they want on their team. And you remember that feeling as you're standing in line, waiting to be picked, hoping to be picked. You know, in some cases, only so many people can be picked and the other people don't play. In other cases, it's just we divide everybody up and everybody's on a team. If you remember, sometimes those team captains would pick based on skill. So if it's basketball, they're, they're picking the people who know how to dribble and shoot and pass and play defense. Or, you know, if it's kickball, it's the, the person who you know, has a, a really good arm to throw the ball from the outfield or they got a strong leg to kick. I mean, whatever. Many times it's based on skill. Sometimes it's based on friendship, right? 
Team captain picks all their friends so they can be on the same team. And if you're not in their circle of friends, you're not, in, you're not getting picked. Anybody ever remember feeling a little nervous as you get towards the very end? Nobody wanted to be last, right? Because if you were last, you really weren't picked. Even if you were second to last, there's two people left, you and someone else, and you're picked. They chose you. The person who was last was what? Left over. Forced to go on, well, I guess we got so-and-so. That's what you didn't want to hear. You didn't want to be last. You wanted someone to choose. You wanted someone to select. You wanted someone to say, I want you. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, I've chosen you. I've appointed you. As he speaks to the disciples and the encouragement for you and I, he's desiring us for a purpose. He wants you and I to produce lasting fruit. And so you look into the New Testament as a whole. Think about Saul, who became Paul. Wrote probably two-thirds or more of the books in the New Testament. Paul, at that time, the Apostle Paul, before his time with Christ, he was known as Saul, and he was pretty much one of the least likely people, you would assume, would give his life to Jesus and surrender his heart. He was the number one persecutor of the Christians, of the believers, killing Christians, imprisoning believers for their faith in Jesus Christ. Remember on the road to Damascus, God encountered him in just a mighty and a powerful way, struck him with blindness, sent him to a particular city. And God said, you know, here you're going to find this person. And God began speaking to that person, Ananias, and said, I want you to go see Saul. Ananias is probably thinking, no way, God. I know him. I know his reputation. <laughs> he imprisons people like me. He seeks to put people like me, Christians and followers of you, to death. And notice in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, God's response about Saul. God's response to Ananias, he said, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles. You might be a little fearful, a little scared. I've chosen, I've selected, I've appointed, I've got a plan and a purpose for this man named Saul. He is my ambassador, basically, to the Gentiles, going to represent me and reach them for me. Listen, part of our identity in Christ as a Christian is this. He's called us to be an ambassador, and that means you're chosen and selected for a purpose. God doesn't look at you and go, ugh, guess I'm stuck with you now. Go to outfield and then keep going. 
Maybe you've seen some of that in, in baseball and in kickball. You know, the least athletic person, you're like, where can I hide this person? So you see the person in the outfield, yet go about another 100 feet beyond them and really, you know, stand there. That's not what Jesus sees when he looks at you and I. We are chosen for a purpose. He confirms to his disciples, I've selected you. I've chosen you. You and I are ambassadors. That's part of our identity. We're chosen for a purpose. And when we know who we are in Christ, we'll know what to do for Christ. But not only are we chosen for a purpose as ambassadors, but secondly, we are sent on a mission. We're sent. Warren Wiersbe gives some helpful background uh, information about the role of the ambassador in biblical times. He says, in the Roman Empire, there were two kinds of provinces, the senatorial and the imperial. The senatorial provinces were considered generally peaceful and friendly to Rome. The imperial provinces were not quite as peaceful, were under the authority of the emperor himself. It was these kinds of provinces that the emperor sent ambassadors to help govern and maintain peace. He, he would send ambassadors to the place where there were some uprisings. There was some need for order in, in somewhat of a similar way. We're sent by our king to those who are in rebellion against him. We've got a good, good message to share. Jesus says this in John 17, verse 18 in his prayer. He says, God, as you've sent me into the world, so I have sent them. Been sent. U.S. ambassadors are sent to a particular place. If you're an ambassador to Albania, you don't live in the United States. How are you able to impact and represent the United States if you're in the United States. They are sent to that nation. You and I are sent to reach people. In fact, you would hear about this, and we refer to it quite a bit. The Great Commission, Jesus spoke about that. Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16. We'll take a look at just one of those. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Jesus' instructions to his disciples. This is a red-letter passage. He says, therefore, go. He's sending them. He's sending the disciples. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He said, I've chosen you, I've selected you, I've appointed you, but it's not just to sit here, it's to be sent. I'm sending you to reach people. Go. Go where? Go into all the world. Now, we've had missionaries. We had one last week. And missionaries of all kinds, missionaries are reaching people here in Ohio, across the United States, and literally around the world. But missionaries are not the only ones who are to go. Missionaries are not the only ones who are sent. Well, if I'm not a missionary, I just sit here. He's sending us to the people you're around. 
to the people that I'm around. And what he said is, even in the midst of where I'm sending you, you're not going by yourself. I'm with you. I'm with you always. Even to the very end of the age. This is a big task. This is a big job. I'm sending you, but I'm with you. That's who we are in Christ. We're an ambassador who is chosen for a purpose, who is sent on a mission. Thirdly, understand this about an ambassador. An ambassador represents the sender. That's who an ambassador is. That's what an ambassador does. They represent the sender. In the United States, as they send ambassadors like Ambassador Yuri Kim. I'm going to keep repeating that because that's one that I know. Okay, that's one. You've all learned one ambassador. There's a whole bunch of them, but that's one that I've learned. They send Ambassador Yuri Kim to Albania, and she, she doesn't speak of her own accord. She represents the United States and their interests there. You and I, as an ambassador, we don't speak for or represent us. We represent Christ. That's who sent us. That's who has sent us. So everything we do, everywhere we go, every word we speak, everything we post, every interaction with everyone, it's to represent the sender. Now understand, again, who we are. Every single one of us as a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ, you're that new creation, that new person, that new creature. You're the ambassador. That means you, and that means me. We represent him at all times. It's not just pastors. It's not just evangelists. It's not just missionaries, although it does include us too. Every single one, if you know Jesus, you represent him in your schools. You represent him in your workplace. You represent him to your family, to your communities. You represent the sender. Here's what Charles Hodge writes. He says, an ambassador is at once a messenger and a representative. He does not speak in his own name. He does not act on his own authority. What he communicates is not his own opinions or demands, but simply what he's been told or commissioned to say. At the same time, he's much more than a mere messenger. He represents his sovereign. I like that. He represents his sovereign, meaning that sovereign leader who has sent, and for you and I, the sovereign leader who has sent us, he speaks with authority as accredited to act in the name of his master. Now, if for some reason I was selected to be a United States ambassador to some other country, I would not go to that country and speak on behalf of Mark Andreessen. I would be sent to represent the United States. We do not interact with other people simply because of our own thoughts or ideas or insights. We represent the sender, our God, our heavenly 
Father. We represent the King of Kings. We represent the Lord of Lords, the ultimate leader above all leaders. Jesus was sent of God. And here's what he said in John chapter 6, verse 38. He says, I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he wasn't here just doing his own thing. He was representing the Heavenly Father. How much more you, how much more me, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, who are we? Our identity, we are an ambassador, but we don't represent ourselves. Everywhere we go, everyone we see, all the stuff we do or say or write or speak or think, we represent him. We represent the sender. And we represent that. We've got the authority as we speak on his behalf. Hey, you put, it, put it to you this way. If I were to go, let's say I would venture out to New York City, which just a little bit bigger than Alger, and I jump into the middle of a busy intersection. There's all these cars and trucks and, and a whole ton of, uh, of cabbies. And I disregard all the lights and I jump in the middle of an intersection and I put my hand out and say, stop. Probably so, Mona. I was about to say, what's the chances of them actually stopping for me? Probably not very good. I would probably hear a bunch of horns. Might see a handful of number one salutes with a variety of fingers, perhaps. I mean, if I jump in the middle and I try to get people to stop, they're like, well, who in the world are you? Now, if I've got an official uniform, police, FBI, something like that, there's a whole lot more of a chance... I've got, I've got the police force, or I've got the government backing me. If I've got a badge, if I've got some kind of a uniform and I say stop, it's much more likely to stop than me. Who in the world am I? You might be saying that. Who in the world am I? You represent Jesus Christ. You represent the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You're not going places or connecting with people on your own behalf, you are representing him. The early church, you read through the book of Acts, they, they understood this. They didn't necessarily have the power in and of themselves, but they knew who did. They knew whose they were. They knew their identity, and they ministered in the power of God. Right? Did they have the power to heal because they were awesome? They didn't have the power, but they knew who did. And so as they ministered and as they prayed, guess what? Some people were healed in incredible ways. In fact, there were some individuals who were demon-possessed. Did they have the power? Were they strong enough somehow to reach in and remove that demon? They didn't. They know who did. They had that relationship with God, and, and in some cases, as they prayed, people were released of that. Now, what was interesting, you read the book of Acts, some people saw that, remember? 
Seven sons of Sceva. They saw people praying. They saw mighty and miraculous deeds that were done as people were praying in the name of Jesus. Oh, that must be the magic word. So they began praying in the name of Jesus. But they did not have the relationship as 2 Corinthians 5, 17. They were not in Christ. They were not a new creation, a new person, a new creature. They were not in Christ. They didn't have that relationship. That wasn't their identity. They were just simply praying and using his name. You remember what happened? The demon spoke up. He said, well, well, Jesus I know. And Paul, Paul I know. But who in the world are you? See, they had no authority. They had no relationship with God. If you've got a relationship with him, and what you do is you represent him, speaking and ministering on his behalf. We look to the word of God, we say, you're chosen for a purpose. You're sent on a powerful mission. You and I represent the sender. We represent our heavenly father. And finally, what does an ambassador do? An ambassador communicates the message. That's what our United States ambassadors do all across the world. They're chosen, they're sent, they represent, but then they communicate the message on behalf of the nation that has sent them. We're to communicate the message. Not my message. Communicate God's message. Back to our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's reread and relook at verse 19. He says, God was in Christ, reconciling the word, uh, world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message. Wonderful message. You could say the message of hope found in Jesus. You could say the message of, of forgiveness of sins. You could say the wonderful message of the gospel. But here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. And we're like, whoa. Big word, long word. The message of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means to restore to friendship. By bringing harmony between enemies. They're reconciled. Harmony is brought. Unity is brought between competing sides or enemy sides. The ancient Greeks would use it to describe two people who used to be in conflict who are now at peace. They've been reconciled. They've been brought together. And Paul says, that's what the message is. You and I can share how we can be brought together, that we can be made right in God. Now, for something to be made right, it's assuming that something is wrong in the first place, right? If something has to be made right, it's because it was wrong. And what was wrong in your life? What's wrong in my life? The Word of God says that our sin separates us from God. We've all sinned. As a result, that sin separates us from God. Here's how Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 59, verse 2. He says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. Your sins have hidden his face from you that he does not hear. 
So there's this gap. There's this gulf. Because we've sinned, we're separated. We're on opposing sides from God. We need to be reconciled, brought together, made right, made whole in him. That's the message we're to proclaim. As an ambassador, we're saying, I've given my life to Jesus. I've experienced a brand new life. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. I'm a new person. And now I'm communicating that message to you and you and you and you and you to say you too can be made right with God. That your sins can be cleansed. That your sins can be forgiven. That you can surrender your heart and your life to him. Back to our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and re-looking at verse 20 again. It's the CA, the Christ ambassador's verse. Paul says, God is making his appeal through us. God's communicating to others through us. We're communicating that message. And what does he say at the end of the verse? We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We're speaking the message. We're sharing the message. We're communicating the message to turn to or to turn back to God. Many people need to hear that message because, again, God's word says we've all sinned. That means there are so many people who are far from God that need to be brought to God. And as an ambassador, we are representing him, speaking and communicating on his behalf that they too can be made right. They too can receive forgiveness of sins. They too can be a brand new person, a brand new creation, a brand new creature in Christ. Share, speak, preach, teach, live word of God boldly communicate with gentleness communicate with love but in the truth of the gospel other verses in Corinthians talk about the message of the cross it's it's foolishness to those who are perishing they simply don't understand why in the world would I need somebody I've got everything I need right here in me They don't understand how far away they are from God. They need to be made right, cleansed, and forgiven. An ambassador communicates the message. It's the message of hope. It's the message of reconciliation. It's the message of forgiveness, of being made right with God. One part of your identity, one part of my identity in Christ is we've called to be an ambassador. So when we know who we are in Christ, it helps us to know what we are to do for Christ. Understand, you were chosen for a purpose. Jesus said, I've chosen, I've selected, I've appointed you. You and I have been sent on a mission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, reaching people with this good news. As an ambassador, we represent the sender. We don't go on our own behalf. We represent Jesus Christ. We represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And what do we share? We communicate the message of hope, of reconciliation, that they too can be made right with God.